Good morning, Bright Temple, and God bless you. It's good to see you on this morning. I pray God's blessings and favor over you and over your family and your loved ones and everyone that is attached to you on this morning. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this, your people, and this time to share your word with your people. Lord, we pray strength and encouragement into the lives of those who are listening and those who are watching. Lord, we pray your favor be upon them and their families, Lord, even right now. Lord, we thank you, first of all, that you woke us up this morning, that you had us on your mind, that you loved us so much, Lord, that you awakened us again for one more day of purpose, one more day where we fit in your grand design. One more day, Lord, that you have given us as a gift, the present for us to make an impact, Lord, not only to get our lives in line with you, but also, Lord, that we might impact the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for that opportunity, Lord, for this new day, Lord, for this gift, for this present, Lord, we want to say thank you. Lord, we bow in humble submission to your will, your will, which at this moment still has us inside your plan. And Lord, we say thank you. Lord, we thank you for our lives. Lord, we thank you for your purpose. Lord, we thank you. Lord, for having a mind to praise you, Lord, having a mind to seek your word, Lord, having a mind, Lord, to even seek the depths of your word, Lord, that we might be as iron sharpening iron, Lord, that we might be better, Lord, that our lights might be brighter, Lord, that we might know more, that we might have more knowledge and more importantly, Lord, that we might have a deeper, more sustainable relationship with you. And for another opportunity to improve our relationship with you, Lord, we just say thank you. You didn't have to extend it to us. The old saint said by song, you didn't have to do it, but you did. And but that, for that, Lord, we just say thank you. Lord, we come in appreciation. We come not only in humility to your will, Lord, but we come in appreciation. Lord, for not only what you've already done for us, but we come with expectant exuberant anticipation of what you're about to do for us right now. Right now, Lord, someone is standing on the precipice of their moment and Lord, you have equipped them with everything that they need to go forward, Lord, to step off of the cliff and to fly, Lord, to run up, Lord, into their destiny, Lord, to breathe into a new dimension, Lord, to step up to another level, to elevate to the place where you have us to go. And Lord, for that opportunity, Lord, for that favor, Lord, for that equipping, Lord, we just say thank you. Lord, this morning, there are so many things that we complain about. There are so many things, Lord, that we could fret about. There are so many things. Lord, the devil, the kingdom of the power of this world has implanted in the atmosphere that we could allow to permeate our minds and cause us to fret, cause us to fear. But Lord, we are we refuse to take on anything you did not give us for Lord. You did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, Lord, with the blessing of this day that you've given us in the present, Lord, with the equipping that you've given us to walk into our destiny and Lord, yes, even with your favor that walks with us. David said as much as when he said, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, some of us are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, the death of death right now. But Lord, thank God that goodness and mercy are following us all the days of our lives. And so shall we, like David, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
In Christ's name, we pray. And Lord, in these few ministry moments, Lord, in these few destiny moments, equip us, empower us, Lord, sharpen our minds, open our hearts and our spirits, Lord, that we may be prepared to receive that which you are about to impart into us by your spirit. Lord, that we may receive and accept the directions that you're about to give us relative to your word. Lord, that we might apply it to our lives physically, spiritually, Lord, financially, relationally, Lord, in our relationships. Lord, help us to allow this relationship contract series to help mold us into the people that we need to be to enter into healthy relationships. Let's get us right so that we can prepare to be with someone else. And Lord, we ask all of these things, Lord, let us not leave this moment unchanged. In Christ's name we pray, amen. And God bless you. Pray God's blessings over you and pray God's favor over you and your household and your family. And I'm just excited this morning. I'm excited this morning because first of all, we had an opportunity to share in a very empowering conference on the on this past week. And God has given us a very life-changing word to share with you all this morning. And even in this format, I'm, I'm grateful to have this opportunity to take my time and to share with you bit by bit what God wants to say to you in this moment. And I hope that your hearts, your minds are open. We're streaming virtually. So I hope you use that opportunity to get your notes out, to have a pen and pad ready, whatever device you use to capture notes, whether you do it by even by your laptop, I pray that you will take parcels of this and it will be, you will administer it to your lives, administer it to your relationships so that we can all be better. I know what God has given me. I'm going to use it to try and be better. We're going to the word of the Lord. And on last week, we started our series talking about the relationship contract, the relationship contract. On, on last week, we talked about the terms of a relationship. We specifically delved into a, a couple of important terms relative to a relationship. We were talking about what does faithful mean? What does it mean to be faithful? And we also talked about what does love mean? When someone says they love you, what does that really mean? Do you have an understanding of what love means? Because what love means to you and what love means to someone else may very well not be the same thing. Often we're products of our environment. That means I'm going to show love to you the same way love was shown to me. Absent Christ example, that's exactly what we do. Because the Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He showed us what loving was through giving. But without Christ in our lives, you know what we do? We mimic the relationships that we have in our own lives and we mimic how we've been loved. So therefore, the way I will love without Christ is simply the way that I have been loved. The way I show love to others is relative to the environment that I've been in and relative to my own experiences. I'm likely to love you the same way that other people told me they loved me. And just imagine how disparate that might be for those of you who were in households born, bred out of abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, alcohol abuse, some sexual abuse. Think of those who were in broken homes, where there was animosity between mother and father. Just imagine the anim animus there. And yet in some way, someone would call that love. 
So therefore, when you enter relationships, you're likely to enter that relationship showing love the same way that you have been shown. That's what love looks like to you. And because that's what it looks like to you, that's how you show it to somebody else. That's why it's so important that we have Jesus Christ, because without him, we really cannot show other people what true love really means. Today, we're going to specifically focus on the offer. We talked about in contracts, in legal contracts, there are three basic elements. We talked about the terms, which are important to establish on last week. But the three basic fundamentals of a contract are the offer, the acceptance and consideration. Fundamental elements of a contract, the offer. That means someone is offering to do something. The legal definition is a promise to do or refrain from doing something in exchange for something else. The offer must be stated in a way that the person making the offer reasonably anticipates that if someone accepts it, then it becomes a contract. Let me say that again. The legal definition is a promise to do or refrain from doing something that is stated in a manner that the person, if they were to accept that thing that has been offered, that person who offered it should anticipate that a contract would then be formed. Most of us are familiar with this relative to home purchases. When you buy a home and you make an offer, that's offer a legal offer on a home then you don't have anything else to do as far as forming a contract. You make an offer on the home. If the seller accepts your offer, then you have a contract. You do not need to do anything else. You made a legal binding offer that is contingent upon the seller accepting it. And once you've made the offer and they accept it, therefore you have automatically have a contract. And of course, consideration is the terms. They are giving you the house and you are the terms for your consideration. You are giving them money. Consideration is basically just a negotiable instrument or services that are exchanged in a contract. But today we're going to focus specifically on the offer. We're going to talk about it relative to relationships, not only with our interpersonal relationships, but also relative to Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. I want to ask you. And I want you to think about it. When you got in your current relationship, who made the offer and what was the offer? I want you to really focus and think about your current relationships. They, they may not be man and woman. They may not be couple relationships. They may not uh, be intimate relationships. They may be familiar relationships. But whatever relationship that we want to discuss today that you want to talk about, who made the offer on the relationship? Sometimes the offer is simple. We talked about storge love, one of the Greek forms of love that are familial loves. Sometimes you love someone because they're family and the offer was never present. The only offer was they were born. You, as a result of being born, as a result of the kinship, you anticipate that there will be relationship. But in relationships that are not familial, what was the offer? Can you think of your last romantic relationship? How did it start? What was the offer? The offer sometimes looks like this. Do you want to go out? Do you want to go to dinner with me? Do you want to have coffee with me? Sometimes the offer starts that simple, but behind that offer for dinner, behind that offer for coffee, 
behind that offer for a date is often something more substantial. At some point, the offer is going to be, can we be together? Can we be romantically involved? Can we be in an exclusive relationship? At some point, the offer extends there. And then at some point, you know, the offer, the, traditionally the man gets down on one knee and says, will you marry me? The offer to spend the rest of your life with me. That is an offer that contingent upon your acceptance, the man is expecting you to abide. He's expecting you a contract, a relationship contract to be formed. We see that similarly in scripture, and we want to walk in the scripture this morning talking about relationship contracts when Jesus lays out his relationship contract. What's Jesus' relationship contract? Well, I found it in Luke 9 and 23. Luke 9 and 23 reads like this. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Just this one scripture, let me read it until you're here again. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Another scripture puts it a little simpler. It puts it in terms that we understand I believe it's the message Bible and puts it more that we have to evacuate. I, I, I put it this way, actually, that we have to in denying ourselves, we evacuate our self-interest. That means that we are no longer first. You remember those T-shirts that went around in summer, some are still going around that says I am second. And the implication is that God is first. When we deny ourselves, we immediately evacuate our self-interest. We, we, we move away from our self-interest and we trust God. We put him in the driver's seat. Another way of putting it this way is Jesus saying this way. Look at it this way. You're on the side of the road. Jesus pulls up in a car and his offer to you is to get in. But when you get in, you cannot drive. You can only ride. Jesus has an offer in his relationship that, yes, you can ride with me. You cannot drive, but yes, you can ride. So you have to deny your self-interest. You have to deny yourself, evacuate your self-interest, abandon your self-interest and trust God to drive, to lead you in the way that he would have to go. That's part one of his offer is deny yourself. Part two of his offer, he says, deny yourself and take up your cross and see, I, I've heard it quoted so many times, but often we leave out this word, which is so important. Take up, deny yourself and take up his cross daily, daily. Just that simple five letter word so dramatically shifts what the scripture is saying. Take up his cross daily. That's something that you have to do every day. And for those of you who are in romantic relationships, those who you are married, you know, a relationship is something you have to work on every day. You can't rely upon what you did yesterday. You have to work on a relationship every day. You can't say to your spouse, well, I talked to you yesterday. I don't have to talk to you today. No, 
That's not how relationships work. You have to talk to each other daily. You have to work on it daily. Paul was saying, he said, he said, because I am encumbered so much by my flesh to renew my relationship with God. This is what I do every day. He said, I have to kill the flesh. My flesh must die daily, not just some days, but every day. My flesh has to come under subjection to my spirit. It has to die every day. Why? Because that is part of the relationship contract that I have with Jesus Christ. I'm not doing something special when I'm subjugating my flesh. I'm not doing something special when my own desires die daily. I'm simply meeting the terms that Christ has laid out in his relationship contract, which says I have to deny myself, abandon my own self-interest. Jesus is inviting me to get in the car and I can get in and ride but I cannot drive. That's part one of Jesus offer for his relationship. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross. And when you, when you take up the cross daily, this is what take up the cross really means. Another way of saying it is follow my, is brace yourself, prepare yourself. That's what it means to take up your cross. Prepare yourself. Paul in another verse puts it this way. Put on, take on to ye the, the whole armor of God so that you may be prepared to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand ye therefore. It talks about the helmet of salvation, the loins girt about with truth, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith and the sword of sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He's saying, brace yourself, prepare yourself. Peter put it this way. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial as though some strange thing has happened to you. What is Peter saying? Brace yourself. Be prepared for conflict. Be prepared and understand that it is not easy. You have to be ready. You have to prepare yourself. When I think of preparing yourself and bracing for, for impact, bracing for contact, that's something that your body does naturally in certain situations, in certain circumstances. Your body, we call it flinching. Your body flinches. And when it flinches, it tenses up your muscles. And what you're doing is you're preparing for contact. What your body is doing is protecting itself. Something that I notice in one way for me and I've learned, I, I never ask a, a woman, is she pregnant? I've learned that the hard way. But one of the things that I've noticed when you think a woman is pregnant, watch how she walks. When she walks and she's pregnant, she does something that very noticeable. When there's a baby there, when she gets in a crowd, the first instinct of the mother is to put her hand on her stomach. She puts her hand on her stomach unintentionally. It's just a motherly instinct. It's not something that she thinks about. It's not something that she's mindful of often. She just naturally, it's like a reflex. She puts her hand, usually her dominant hand, over her stomach as if to protect her unborn child. You know what she's doing? She's bracing for impact. She's bracing to come in contact with other people. She's preparing for what may be coming. And I just need to tell somebody today, you have an idea. And around certain people, you need to protect your baby. You need to put your brace for impact. 
you can have to protect certain things that God has given you. You can't share them with everybody. But sometimes in certain circumstances, you need to put your hand up, be guarded, be prepared for not only those who are around you, but prepare for the devil to attack your baby. The devil is coming for your child. The devil is coming for what God is trying to birth in you. What I'm telling you is you need to have an instinct that prepares you to protect what God is trying to birth out of you. God's trying to birth something out of you. There is something that God put in you that God is desperately trying to birth out because not only will it be a blessing to you, it will be a blessing to those who are around you. I'm telling somebody right now, the reason you need to birth to brace for impact is because God has something special inside of you. You're pregnant. You're about you're expecting. God has something great that's about to come out of you. But for you to be ready, you're going to face conflict. You're going to face contact and during conflict and contact, you need to make sure you've taken to be the whole armor of God. Use that instinct that God has placed on the inside of you to protect that dream, to protect that thing that has not yet been birthed, to protect that which God is trying to draw out of you. God is trying to draw something out of you that he has already placed in you, but he needs you to brace for impact. Take up your cross. Be prepared for battle. Be prepared for contact. Something that I've shared before, and I think is just so appropriate, is that when I think of taking on the whole armor of God, I think of football players who put on their gear. And inevitably, inevitably, if you see football players, especially young men, those high school players putting on their pads and they're putting on their, their shoulder pads and all of their, their knee pads their thigh pads. They're, some of them have braces that they wear around their waist and they put on their helmets and all of this protective gear. You know what they start doing? It's just the natural instinct again. It's like they start slapping themselves as if they are preparing for contact. I'm going to get hit here. So they start smacking themselves and hitting their shoulders. And some of them begin even banging their helmets as if they're trying out their new gear. They're trying out their protective wear, almost as if it's a test to see if it works. That's their instinct. Because you know what? Once that football player puts on his gear, you know, his thought, his whole mentality changes. Since I have my gear on, since I have my armor on, I might as well hit somebody. If there's going to be contact, I might as well be the one who initiates it to a man. When the football player puts on that hardware, his protective gear, he's thinking, I'm ready for contact. I might as well hit somebody. That reminds me of David. David was a man who chased after God's own heart. He was a man who who was a man of war. He was a man of battle. And David, I sometimes I, I jokingly say, I think David may have provoked the lion and David may have provoked the bear. And David certainly had very little patience for Goliath. David was a man who felt like he didn't need the physical armor that King Saul wanted to put on him, but he was prepared with God's armor. He knew that God was with him. He knew that God, he knew what God had shown him and he felt like he had on the armor of God. And he said, well, since I have on God's armor, I can see David smacking himself, hitting himself, checking his equipment. Since I have on the whole armor of God, I might as well hit somebody. 
So I'm telling somebody while you're preparing for impact, while you're bracing yourself, while you're preparing to take up your cross. The Bible tells us, he said, if you resist the devil, you don't have to run, but he will flee from you. If you resist the devil, stop running. Stop living in fear. Stop hiding under the table. Stop thinking you're inadequate. Stop feeling like you're not enough. God has put his best in you. God has put his best in you. And I want you to think about that. God put his best in you. In the profession of teaching, something that teachers often say to each other and is often shared in conferences when speaking about the children that come to the school. Something that's said that's very fair. They said, you may have you may have certain feelings about the children that are being sent to your classroom, but they said, let me let you know this. That parent is not hiding a better child at home. They're giving you their best. They're not trying to send you their worst child. They're sending you the very best that they have. That's all they have. That's their very best. And they need you to work with and educate the very best that they can give you. I don't want you to know. Just like that parent sends their best to school, God has poured his best inside of you. He has prepared you for this moment. He's prepared you for this time. COVID-19 took us by surprise, but you know what? It did not take God by surprise. And I wish somebody would just give me a hands up emoji on that. It did not take God by surprise. God was prepared for this moment. And you know what? He didn't accidentally put you during here during this time. He knew who you were. He knew your character. He knew your strength. God is faithful. He will not put more on us than we're able to bear. He knew that you'd be able to handle it. You're prepared for this moment. You're prepared for this time. God knew you could handle it. God put his best. Should hashtag that. God put his best in me. I don't just want you to say it. I I want you to say it until you feel it. I want you to say it until you mean it. And I want you to say it until you believe it because God, God does not need to believe in you. He already believes in you. He created you. You're his best creation. He's pouring his best in you, but you need to believe in yourself that God put his best in me. God put his best in me. God didn't put, give you something secondhand. God didn't give you anything secondhand. He gave you his very best. God always passes to you his best. He doesn't pass you anything less. Joshua, he can tell you, he can tell you, God, he's committed to give you his best. He's not a respecter of person. God told Joshua after he said, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. I'm not going to give you anything less than what I gave Moses. Yes, Moses was was my prophet. Yes, I called Moses upon the mountain. Yes, I talked to Moses. But just as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. I'm not going to give you anything less than my best. God has put his best in me. So therefore, I'm prepared to take up my cross. Take up my cross. I'm prepared for the next step. 
I told you, number one, he said, come after me. He said, let him deny himself. Set yourself aside. Abandon your self-interest. You can get in the car with Jesus, but you can't drive. You have to ride. Secondly, brace yourself. He says, let him then take up his cross. That means brace yourself. Prepare for battle. Take unto thee the whole armor of God. Don't be prepared to the, when battle and forces come against you. I told you to put on your armor, put on your equipment. And while you have it on, you might as well hit somebody. Be prepared to be hit because God has already put his best in you. I want you to hashtag that. I want you to say it. I want you to mean it. I want you to share that with somebody else. Somebody else this week is going to be discouraged. And I, I just want you to share those words with them. I want you to share it around your neighborhood, share it amongst your friend group. God has put his best in me. So when you share it with them, tell them God has put his best in you. He didn't give you anything secondhand. He gave you the very best that he had. And we trust God to do that. Because when he first showed us that he loved us, what did he do? He gave us his only begotten son. I often say he gave us the only thing in the world that he only had one of. He had plenty of other things that he could have given. But he gave us the only thing in the world that he had one of. The only thing in existence that he had one of, and that was a piece of himself, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. If that establishes God's credit for giving, then you know what? I trust anything else God gives me. If his first gift was his son, Jesus Christ, offered, suffered, and died for my sins, then I might have abundant life on earth and eternity with him, then God has good credit with me. I trust God to give me his best. So if I'm ready to deny myself, if I'm ready to take up my cross, and if I'm ready to uh, let him lead, take up my cross. And then he says, follow me. The third element of Christ's relationship contract is to follow me. What it means, follow me. Now, he does not mean that in simply the physical terms, because that scripture in itself would have little import to us. But it means follow his example, follow his footsteps. We have to, yes, follow him. The Bible says to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. To know that we're going to have days where we're persecuted. Days where we're talked about, days when we see the enemy gathering against us simply because we have professed Christ. And Christ warned us of that. He said, so persecuted they, the disciples, which were before you. If you follow me, people are going to laugh at you. People are going to talk about you behind your back. The devil is going to be in situations where people that don't even know you will be uncomfortable around you. They won't like you. But he says that such is the cost of following me. You have to be prepared to abandon your pursuits in order to follow mine, in order to follow me. If you trust me, you will follow me. So in our example, Jesus said, get in the car, let me drive. That means deny yourself. He said, uh, you have to take up your cross 
That means you need to buckle up, prepare, brace for impact. And finally, he says, you have to let me show you the way. Follow me. Follow my example. These are the elements of Christ's relationship contract. He makes it clear what he desires from us. The issue with us in our own personal interpersonal relationships is that we're not clear on the terms. I'm not talking about defining the terms, but what is the offer? What is the terms of the offer? What are you desiring to do? What is it that you want? And let's be honest. Can we be real? Because I'm going to finish this up being real. I talked to you about what Jesus wants. He makes it clear. If any man comes after me, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. He said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. The question is, are we astutely aware of what we want? What do you want out of the relationship? Let me give you a few principles. First of all, nobody will ever give you what you want if you cannot define what it is. It is impossible for somebody to give you what you want if you cannot define what that is. Some of you are like, have you ever heard somebody say this? I've been in so many relationships and nobody made me happy. Okay. What is happy? What 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 is happy? Because in 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 Christ's terms, we think of joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That doesn't mean that every day is perfect. That means like the songwriter said, my good days. They, I outweigh my bad days, so I, I won't complain. And Christ has always given me the victory. I might lose a battle along the way, but I will not lose the war because Christ has already guaranteed for me the victory. Therefore, the, like the songwriter said, I don't have to wait till the battle is over. Even when I'm struggling in my storm, I can shout now. I can have joy in the middle of my situation. But there are so many people right now who've been in relationships and they said, I let them go because they did not make me happy. The question is not only what is happy, and we're talking about defining terms there, but in terms of performance, the offer, what makes you happy? What makes you happy? Is that a euphoric feeling of something new? Because let me tell you this, if you're in a relationship long enough, that newness wears off. Some people, they're serial relationship people. They jump from one relationship to another. You know why? Because they like that high feeling of being in a new relationship. They like changing their status on social media from single to in a relationship. They like posting pictures. They like the optics of a relationship, but they don't want to do the work. It's like a person that wants the new car. They want the new pictures of the car, but they don't want the car payment. They want the car. They want the pictures of the car. They want the the uh, the specter, the look of being able to purchase a new vehicle, but they don't want the payments. They want the look, but they don't want the payments. And many people in relationships They want the pictures. They want the status change. They want a hashtag relationship goals and put an image. I want you to understand this, to put an image on social media that they cannot sustain.
because they are chasing an image. Remember when we talked about the, 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 the loves and we talked about Eros is the love of being in love. It's like the feeling uh, that that erotic love. But it, and a lot of times we, we, we subjugated that only to physical relationships. But it's like the being in love with the feeling of love. Have you ever met somebody? And I want you to think about it, because if I'm not if you don't know someone, I might be speaking about you. Anybody who's just in love with the idea of love. They're in love with the concept of love. They're in love with the concept of a relationship. But the problem is they do not want to do the work that is necessary to maintain the relationship. It's like the person who wants the new car, but they don't want the payments. And then when they get the car, they don't put any oil in the car. They don't put any gas in the car. They don't do anything to maintain that relationship. They just wanted the pictures. They just wanted it on social media. They just wanted to drive slow around the block so other people would see how they're riding. So the question is, when you're seeking, what are you offering? What what are you offering? Are you offering a fake relationship? You know, so many movies you'll watch and you know, there'll, there'll, there'll inevitably be so many movies like this. It's just different times and uh, different actors, but sometimes a lot of times it's the same premise and such is the, the truth about many movies. But they'll have, there'll be someone who's single, they're not in a serious relationship, and they pay somebody to pretend like they're their girlfriend or their boyfriend or their fiance, to pretend like even that, they're, that that's their wife. They want the spectacle, the specter, what it looks like on the outside of being in a relationship, but they don't want to do the hard work that is required in a relationship. Let's bring it back to the scripture. In being in a successful relationship, we talked about what Christ required, but let's look about look at it in terms of what people require. The word says, and if he said, if anyone would come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me. That's what Jesus is saying about relationships. Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So let's put that in our romantic relationships or even in your familial relationships, your filial relationships with friends. Deny yourself simply means don't be selfish. Don't only think about yourself. I've given the example many times relative to my wife and there are many things that my wife likes and there are things that I like to buy for her and do for her. But I would not go and purchase a golf outing for my wife. And then she say, I don't like it. And then I'll say, well, I guess I'll take it. You know what? That was selfish. I knew she did not want that. I knew she did not desire that. I was thinking only of myself and how that would benefit me. I did not procure that gift or refine it specifically to her taste because I put myself first. So in relationships, you have to be willing to take a back seat. You have to be willing to put the other person first. And you know something I've learned long enough. I, I've, 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 I've done this long enough with God. I've been in a relationship with God long enough to understand that there are many things that God is reserving for us. And it's not that he's not ready for us. We're not ready for him. 
God is preparing us for that which he already has waiting for us, that which he already has in store for us. We're just not ready. And if we would be honest in a moment, there are things that we're asking for and we're crying to God for, but we're simply not ready for. And some of us have had the misfortune of being in relationships, being in being engaged. Some of us even were married when we were not ready. We got married. We got connected. We became attached before we were ready. And that's all God wants for you. He wants you to be ready. The, the word says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Get this caveat, even as your soul prospers. I'm not going to give you something that will cause you to lose your soul because what, what, what profit of the man if he gains the whole world and then loses his soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Also, that which God gives you, the blessing of the Lord, make it rich and addeth no sorrow with it. God is in his design. It's in his plan. It's literally spoken in his word as a rider, as an attachment to the relationship contract that I'm not going to give you something more than you can bear, even if you think you want it. I'm not going to give you more than you can bear, even if you think you want it. And I'm not going to give you anything that's going to cause you to detach from our relationship. I'm not going to call, give you anything where you would allow it to separate you from the love of God. I'm not going to allow that to happen. That's what Jesus is saying to us. So sometimes we ask for things that we're not ready for. So some relationships that you're looking for, some even blessings and levels and, and finances and jobs and, and elevation and, and promotion that you're looking for. I'm telling you right now, it's waiting for you. God has it in store for you. God has spoken it and put your name on it. He's just waiting on you to get ready. Have you ever thought of this for a moment? Maybe God is waiting on me to become more devoted to him so that I can show him that he will not lose me when I go to the next level. Let me say that again. Maybe God is waiting on me to show him that I am more devoted to him so that by showing him my devotion, he knows that I will not leave him once I get to the next level. Another way of phrasing that is this way. And I like to ask questions because I think questions cause you as a person who's listening to think. If I got right now, if God, if I received right now today, that which I've been asking God for the most, would I be less or more devoted to God? And I want you to be honest on that moment. This is a conversation you have with yourself. You do not have to put it in the chat, in the text. Do not, do not share it. I want you to have an honest moment with yourself. Look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself that question. If God gave me right now, the thing that I've been praying most for, the thing that I've been asking the most for, if it was in my lap, if it was in my hand, if it was in my bank account, if it was in my garage, if I were living in that which I'm praying for, if I were married to the thing that I've been praying God for, the person I've been praying to God for, would that make me less or more devoted to God? And I think in an honest moment, many of us recognize that if we had it right now, we would be less devoted to him. 
we would be less likely to seek him. We would lean more upon that thing that he's given us more than leaning and depending upon him. Remember the rich young ruler? He came to Jesus and Jesus was giving his conversation. I think that's about Luke 18, I believe. And he's talking and, uh, and, the, and, the, and the ruler says, uh, he says to him, he says, well, what else do I miss? What do I need to, to obtain eternal life? And Jesus says to him, he says, give away all of that which you owe own to the poor and follow me. And it says the young ruler just hung his head and walked away because he could not give him. He could not give Christ that. He had received some of the things that you all might be praying for. He received that. And by receiving it, it became more important to him than following Christ. And some of us, we it's easy for us to read that in the scripture and and to to beguile that young man or to laugh at him or, or to make him a villain. But if we're honest, that young man is a lot closer to who we are than who we pretend to be. A lot closer to who we actually are than who we pretend to be. Many of us, if we were in that same situation, we would say, no, I'll keep my cars. I'll keep my homes. I'll keep my annuities. I'll keep my 401ks. I'll, I'll keep my monies, my millions in the bank. I'll keep that. Because without saying it, but by action, I'm saying that's more important to me than having a relationship with God. I'm asking, are you ready for the terms? Are you prepared for what you're asking for? You're saying you want to be happy, but do you even know what being happy means? I'll say it again. Nobody can give you the thing you want if you do not know what that thing is. So what are you offering in a relationship? What are you desiring from a relationship? If you want to be happy, let me give you this. You can be happy by yourself. You can have joy by yourself. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I can be happy by myself. I do not need another person in my life to make me happy. That's not necessary. So you need to rephrase and rethink again. What is it that you truly want out of a relationship? Because until you're able to answer that question, nobody will be able to give it to you. Nobody can give you something that you do not are not even aware that you want. If you don't know what you want, don't expect somebody else to come along and give that to you. You need to search your soul. You need to find out what it is that you desire. What am I looking for? Am I looking for companionship? You can find companionship with friends. You can find companionship with loved ones. You can find companionship with family. What is it that I truly desire? Because until you are able to elucidate that, to write that down, the word says, write the vision, make it plain. That's just not for churches. That's for you personally. Write your own vision. What is your vision? What is your vision? What's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? Where do you plan to be in the next five to 10 years? Do you have a plan? Do you have a goal for that? If you do not have a plan for yourself, then how can you fit someone else into a plan that does not exist? 
can you fit someone else into a plan that does not exist? You need to have a plan for yourself. And let me tell you, let me give this to somebody. Stop waiting on someone to come in your, to your life to develop a plan. You need a plan right now. You need a plan right now. Develop a plan. Give that plan an expiration date. When do you, will you achieve that plan and put action to that plan? Because until you put action to that plan, until you put a date on that plan, it's simply a wish. But even without a relationship, even without being married, even without a fiance, any of that, none of that may even be on the horizon. You need to have a plan for yourself. Because this is how it works in a best relationship. If you have a plan and then she has a plan, you can see how you fit together. If you have a plan and she has a plan, then when you're thinking about entering a relationship, you can see how your plans fit together. But if nobody has a plan, then you start doing one thing, she starts doing another. And you know what? Those relationships fail because this is what they always say. We grew apart. Often because you had separate plans or because one person planned and the other person didn't. Or the person had never had a plan. They finally developed one after the marriage. And then they realize the person that they're with does not fit into their plan. You want to get on the path that God has for you. Don't wait to get married. Don't wait to for that special one to come along. You need to develop a plan right now. So the word says, thinking of the relationship, he said, deny himself. You have to be selfless. And then he says, take up his cross, prepare to go through something. I'm talking about in the, re the romantic relationship, the, the man to man. We're not talking about the relationship with Christ. We've already covered that. But we're talking about in your relationships with other people. We said deny yourself, which means simply don't be selfish. And now we're saying take up your cross. And we said in taking up your cross, you're preparing to go through something. You're going to go through something in your relationships. There's going to be trying time. You can't just give up. The first time you have a falling out, don't give up on someone the first time you disagree. Don't give up on someone the first time you have an argument. Don't don't give up on someone the first time things get heated. You can't give up on people like that. You have to brace. Hashtag this brace for impact. I think that's good relationship advice for somebody today. Brace for impact. Brace for contact. Prepare for there to be forces that are working against you. Prepare for the devil to try and get in the middle of relationship because the devil, that's what he does. He tries to cause confusion. No, God says where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. I want to let me let you know something. God's not the only one there. God's not the only one there. Where two or three are gathered, the devil will be there too. Now, if you have God's spirit to ward off the devil, you can cancel his agenda. But I promise you, where two or three people are gathered there, the devil is in the midst as well, trying to create confusion. He's the author of confusion. He just causes us to distribute it, to pass it around. We're, we're Sometimes we're unwitting and sometimes we're willing. Carriers of confusion. We pass confusion on from person to person. 
You know, you know how you pass confusion. You'll say things like, well, you didn't hear this from me. If somebody starts off a comment with that, you didn't hear this from me. They're about to pass on some confusion. Let me give you another. Let me give you another preface. They'll say something like, I don't like I don't usually talk about people. They're about to pass along some confusion. So where two or three are gathered there, the devil is in the midst. He's in there trying to create confusion. So the same with your relationships. Brace for impact. Prepare for the devil to try and to get in the midst. Prepare for the devil to try to disturb your relationship. Prepare for the devil to see lies and mistrust. He's going to sow some envy and some jealousy in there. He's going to sow some strife. He's going to sow all of that in there. Because where you two or three gather, there he is in the midst too, trying to sow and cause you to pass along more confusion. Again, deny yourself. That means be selfless in your relationships. But secondly, take up the cross. In other words, brace for impact. Prepare for there to be conflict in your relationships. But don't allow the conflict to break you up, to tear you apart. Pray over that thing. Because if God has put that person in your life, they are there for a purpose. They're there for a purpose. They're there to help you. They're there to help you build and work towards what God wants from you. The next thing, and I'm about to close. I said the the scripture here says, take, take up, deny yourself. That means in your interpersonal relationships, be selfless. Take up your cross. That means brace yourself. Prepare for impact. Prepare for the people to work against you. And the final thing it says, follow me. Jesus is saying, follow me. When we're talking about interpersonal relationships, you have to have a clear direction. Where are you going? Part of the offer is, where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? That's a very good question to ask somebody. We are about to move from one stage of relationship to the next. Where are we going? We've been here and we want to go to the next level. Where are we going? Where are we going with this thing? Before you accept the ring, you ought to ask the question, where are we going? Before you offer the ring, You ought to ask the question, where are we going? You ought to have some purpose and direction for your relationships. In one of the conferences that we had that I was a part of this past week, uh, one of the uh, presenters, I think it was Steve Harvey, he said, he said, part of the keys to success, he said, is that I take accountability for every moment, for every minute I plan and I'm accountable for every minute of the day. And I think that is a good formula for success to give an account, to have preparation, to have a plan for each moment of the day. What are you doing on tomorrow? What is your plan for tomorrow? Where are you preparing to go? How are you planning to build? Get this. How am I planning to build my own empire? And by that, that can mean different things. I don't know what your empire is, what you're trying to do. You can build an empire for the sake of Christ, whatever it is. How am I working 
on God's plan for my life. What do I have lined up tomorrow that puts another brick in, in what I'm building for God? What is it that I'm doing tomorrow that pushes forward the agenda that sets up what God has for me in my life? What, 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 what am I doing? How am I pushing that forward? So if you don't know where you're going, if you don't have that plan, then how can you bring someone else into that plan? Because you know what? The best thing, the best way to show somebody how much you love them and how much you appreciate them, get this, is to include them in your plan. Include them in your plan. Include them in your planning and see how they fit in. Because if they don't fit into your planning, then that may be a signal to you from God. But that's not the one. But they may be there for this time, but they're not there for the long term. And Christ is saying, follow me. Christ is saying, I already know the direction. I already have a plan. So when you're in a personal relationship, when you're saying, follow me, that means both of you have a plan. And the prop, and the question is, can you merge those plans together? Can those plans work together to accomplish what you need to accomplish for God and for you to be more effective for the kingdom? When you're in relationships, though you two together, planning together, working together ought to make a more powerful and impactful move and statement for the kingdom. You are more powerful together. You should be stronger together. If the person that I'm adding into my life makes me weaker and causes me to be less impactful for Christ, then that's not the person for me. It's simple, it's straightforward, but it's a fact. And I'll say it again. If the person that I'm attempting to connect to, instead of making a, a greater impact for God, they dilute the power and the impact that I will have for God in the plan that he has for my life. If I'm less impactful for God by being connected to this person, then that's not the person for me. Don't hold on to them because now I don't, I, I'll tell you that's selfish. That's selfish for two reasons. It's selfish because then you're not putting Christ first because you're not putting his agenda in your life first. It's also selfish for that person because God has a place for them. And as long as you hold on to them, you're keeping them from fulfilling their purpose. And I want you to understand this. The world does not revolve around you just because they don't fit in your plan does not mean they don't fit in God's plan. Should <laughs> you get that just because someone is in your life and you're like, I don't make a great impact for the kingdom with them in my life. Just because, baby, the world does not revolve around you. Just because they don't work and fit in your plan, they might fit perfectly in somebody else's plan. So while you're selfishly holding on to them, negatively impacting your own effect and impact for God, you're also causing and holding them hostage from the destiny that God has for them. I'm going to say this and I hope you get it. And then I'm going to pray. But for some of you, the best thing that ever happened in your life was when someone let you go. The very best thing. 
that ever happened in your life is when someone lets you go. I want you to understand that from your side. If you're holding on to someone who does not fit in God's plan, stop being selfish. You need to release them so that you can be more powerful and release them because they might be the perfect puzzle piece that fits into someone else's destiny and will cause them to make an even greater impact for God's kingdom. Praise God for the blessing of being let go. May I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for these few moments that we had with you. Lord, we pray that these destiny moments were not lost upon us, but that we use these moments to reflect, to ask the questions that were laid out in the lesson, to ask ourselves, what is it that we want? What is it that we desire out of a relationship? How can we expect someone to give us what we desire if we do not know what we want? Lord, are we holding on to relationships that are causing us to be less impactful for your kingdom? And by product of that, are we holding on to people? Are we holding people hostage that would perfectly fit in your plan with someone else? Relative to Jesus Christ, Lord, are we denying ourselves? Are we putting him first? When he, allowed, when he gives us a ride and opens the door, are we trying to kick him out of the driver's seat and drive ourselves? He's saying you have to deny yourself. Put me first. You can't drive. You can only ride. Are we allowing Christ to drive in our lives? He said, take up your cross. Are you bracing for impact? Are you prepared for the slings and arrows that come in your direction? Are you prepared and bracing? Do you have on the whole armor of God? Are we prepared for what the devil is going to bring against us? Just because just because we're in relationship with you does not mean we will not be under attack, but rather it means the opposite. The devil will talk at us even more as he sees us growing closer to you. Are we prepared for impact? Finally, Lord, are we prepared to simply follow you, follow your example? Lord, that means that we might be persecuted. We might be talked about. Follow your example of love, Lord. Lord, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, you love so much that you said, greater love have no man than to lay down his life for his friends. Lord, that's the example of love that you gave us. Are we ready to follow your example? Lord, to all of those questions to which we had to answer in the negative because of our lack of preparedness. Lord, help us to be ready. Prepare us, Lord, help us to be ready. Let us get ourselves together. Because, Lord, you're not waiting to give us the blessing. Lord, you're simply waiting for us to be prepared and be in the right position to receive everything that you have prepared for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. I pray that you were blessed by what you heard on this morning. I pray that you are covered by God's faith and favor and that you're living with great expectation. And remember what we said. Don't forget it this week. Hashtag it. Share it with yourself in the mirror. And I encourage you strongly, please share it with a friend. God put his best in me. God put his best.
in me. God bless you. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Give a Fun. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.